Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 261 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to the last few weeks then? Well, the latest release from uh, Sony, developed by Sucker Punch, is Ghost of Tsushima. Just a quick little note on the release schedule for PlayStation games lately. You had Last of Us Part 2, which very recently came out, June 19th. Then you had the Iron Man VR game, which no one's talking about, which came out on the 3rd of July, 2nd of July. So just under two weeks after Last of Us Part 2, which is a huge anticipated game. And then roughly two weeks after that, July 17th, you had Ghost of Tsushima. So not only is Ghost of Tsushima too close to Last of Us 2 and vice versa, you've also got Iron Man just kind of sandwiched in the middle. Yeah. And no one's talking about Iron Man VR. But weird kind of schedule with that. I think it's they kind of want to get them games out before the PS5 comes out. But well, uh, the yes. PS5 doesn't come out until roughly November. So they still had a bit of time, but nonetheless. Ghost of Tsushima, I think it's a good game. I think it's got some good things going for it. I'm about... I want to say 10 or 12 hours in, roughly. Right. Uh, I've been talking with um, Robert about it for the last, I think it's last two weeks or so. It's been out roughly for, for about that long. He likes it quite a lot. Uh, I like it somewhat. Um, I think I think it's got a few sort of issues and things like that. And um, one, one main kind of thing I've noticed is a lot of people are talking about the game as if it's this kind of big, massive Sony game, PlayStation game, which it is, but it just doesn't quite feel like a AAA video game. It feels right. like one of them kind of no you can you know you don't have to be a triple a video game to be good there's great indie games out there there's good double a games out there you know you don't have to be grand theft auto or red dead redemption or whatever to be to be good but it's being looked at in that kind of way and i just don't see it as being quite that high kind of caliber of game like if i think of triple a games i do think of you know last of us 2 and red dead and gta and all all these massive you know god of war all those massive sort of games it feels like it's just slightly below the level of those kind of games so it's a, it's a good game. I've enjoyed quite a lot about it. It's sort of like if you take one of the more average Assassin's Creed games from Ubisoft and you make it slightly better than those kinds of experiences, because it's very much sort of a Japanese Assassin's Creed in right, a way. Yeah, like yeah. You can still do assassinations. You still have sword combat and all that. And there's a lot of games you can tell that they've taken inspiration from. There's themes of like Zelda Breath of the Wild. You can see Horizon Zero Dawn on this game. You can see not quite in the same difficulty, but you know that Bloodborne Dark Souls that type yeah, yeah, of genre, yeah. genre of sort of game for, for it, not for its difficulty it's nowhere near that, that difficult but that type of combat as well you tell they've taken some cues from that as well uh, there's also some vibes of like maybe the 
Witcher in there as well. So there's a lot of games that they've sort of taken influence from while making this, which most of those are very good. So you can see why they've sort of done that. The general reviews seem to have been pretty favorable, although they're saying it looks beautiful, the combat's great, but some of the open world stuff isn't particularly good, which is very Assassin's Creed, actually, because <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much the same problem that Assassin's Creed had. So that's interesting. It's not one I played. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know me, I play so much more on PC than I do on console, but um, yeah. maybe one I look at when it gets reduced mm-hmm. to a sensible price. So yeah, it's a good game. I'm still enjoying it now, and I very much intend to keep going and finishing it. Overall, it's a, it's a good experience, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with that. So that's been pretty good. good. Uh, one thing I finished watching yesterday, which I very much didn't like, did a spoiler-free review this morning, is Midsummer, the 2019 film. I did hate it. I know hate's uh, considered a strong word sometimes, but uh, it's another one of them kind of horror films where it, a particular thing I've kind of noticed with certain horror films, and this goes the same for uh, The Shining, which uh, I, I saw as well a few years ago. Obviously, I was a bit late to that, but uh, <laughs> saw that saw that a few years ago. But um, when you spend so long in some of your scenes building up to something, and I'm not talking about like a jump scare, it, it could be lots lots of different things that you're building up to in the horror genre. There could be a lot of you know different things there. So it isn't always building up to a jump scare or a character dying. It, it could be lots of different things. Maybe you build up to just a really weird scene, which happens a lot in Midsummer and in The Shining. There's a lot of weird scenes in there. And sometimes when that payoff doesn't quite work, it sucks all the energy out of all the build-up that you've just done. And going along with the whole Midsummer Shining kind of comparison, they're both quite long films. Both of them are about two hours, 20 minutes or so. And you look at certain scenes, both in Midsummer and maybe in The Shining as well, and you think, okay, you could have either cut down certain scenes, therefore making the film obviously a lot shorter and a lot better paced, or there's certain scenes where you could just kind of take out maybe completely. It just didn't really work on on that sort of level. And just the last, I think about 50 minutes or so of this film is just really weird stuff that's, that's put in there. Right. And uh, it just doesn't quite work. The first half of the film's actually mainly build up to all the crazy stuff that happens in the second half is all right, but it's the payoff of what you've set up that just didn't work very well. So right. yeah, overall, yeah. overall, I didn't enjoy it. I and, mean, uh, regarding the pacing stuff, yeah. with The Shining, that's somewhat excusable because it was, what, 70-something? The Shining yeah, was yeah, made. Oh, I, and films in that era were quite a lot slower. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's difficult to criticise The Shining for its pacing because <laughs> you expect things to be a lot quicker. Uh, but it's probably a fair comment about this if this was this was a bit slow now. Yeah, it's very similar you know. for both for, for both films Yeah, uh, in similar ways. But um, yeah, nonetheless, I've done a longer 10-minute review or so of the film, which you can go and look at as well. Something which I really, really enjoyed, which I finished last week, is Good Girl Season 3. Yes. Um, first season was really good. So here's the thing when you come to the second season. The second season, when you watch it and you finish it, might not seem so great. Season 3 kind of helps Season 2 to be better once you've finished Season 3. Right. Because with Season 3, once you've finished it and you realise how good the payoff is from what they've set up from Season 2, mm. then Season 3 on its own tells its own great story and sets up something really good for Season 4. So right. Season 3 kind of carries Season 2 to be a lot better from the payoff of right, the setup. Okay. Yeah, from what yeah, Season 2 does. Yeah, I yeah, get what yeah. you mean. And what they've set up for season four seems like is, is going to be really good. Interesting note on the whole finishing for season three and setting up the fourth one. The season is 11 episodes. When I was doing my review and looked up different notes, you know, for casting and, and all those different things, the season was actually cut short because of the virus and that. Mm. And it was because it was renewed for a 16 episode third season and it was cut down to 11. Right. I didn't actually know that when I watched it. And then when I got to the end of the 11th episode, I was like, yeah, that's a good place to end for season four. And then like, oh, there was five more episodes planned. So when you 
you get that type of situation, you know, they've done a pretty good job because even with like some of the Arrowverse shows this year, you had this well, awkward like to be continued yeah. kind of thing and it, it didn't work as I, well. I mean, I guess. yeah, I, there, there were some that we, was really obvious that it was a sort of to be continued and they'd been cut off early with the yeah. Arrowverse shows. Just since we're mentioning it now, uh, Batwoman, the final episode went out on TV last night over here, minus the crossover episode, which is on next week, finally, because they shoved it on at the end. But let's not get into that. So there's the crossover episode next week, but the, the final kind of episode of the main show went out and that ends it in the middle of a story, basically. I mean, mm. you've got Alice seemingly about to go after Batwoman again, and it's sort of all set up for this final confrontation, which we now know we're never actually going to see. Yeah, because Rose is disappear. Yeah, Rose is leaving yeah. the role. They've cast a new person in that role. So unless Rose comes back and does some little bits and pieces to round that off and then they move on from it, which I don't think she's going to do. No, it doesn't seem like it, no. That's a really odd place to end that show. I do wonder how they're going to end up rescuing that for the second season. Um, mm. I mean, we know it's going to be some sort of soft reboot, but yeah, that's a really tricky one because it really, I mean, that, that one really does feel like it ends in the middle of the story, at least with the other shows like Flash. It does end up on a to be continued and it does end on a cliffhanger, but you sort of feel like, well, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's something that they can pick up when they come back. But Batwoman, you can't do that. And it's just stopped in the middle of a story and you're kind of like, okay, so how on earth are they going to get out of that story-wise when they come back? Yeah, yeah it's a that's a weird one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I really, really enjoyed Good Girl season three. And as I said in my in the spoiler free part of my review, I was glued to ninety nine percent of the scenes. There's one I'm not going to go into what it is exactly because it's it's a bit more of a, a spoilery thing. But there's there's this one little story with one of the main characters that doesn't quite work. It's not bad. It just doesn't quite work as well as the rest of the season. But overall, I think it's really, really good. And I'll say as well, if you're someone that's watched well all of the Breaking Bad stuff so Breaking Bad El Camino Better Call Saul and you're waiting for next season of Better Call Saul and you haven't checked this out it's very much in that sort of genre it's almost become like a female Breaking Bad so if you're wanting to watch something else in a similar genre in time for when Better Call Saul comes back uh, I'd highly recommend it I mean I'd recommend it anyway but um, yeah mm. it's uh, I really really enjoyed this third season and uh, really looking forward to season four especially with what they set up for uh, yes. from season three and it so. is renewed for a full season so it is definitely yeah. coming back so. I think it's, pro- it's probably got if next season's not the last one, I think the one after could possibly be. Right. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll see. So anyway, that was good. Uh, just wanted to make a quick mention as well. The football season's now finished, although it's returning next month, which is weird. <laughs> weird. Yes. And all that. Yeah. Uh, so that's returning in September. Main United finished third, which is good. Uh, we would have liked to have won the league, obviously, but we knew that wasn't going to uh, happen. No. Going to happen this season. But uh, we qualified for the Champions League next season, which is great. We're trying to buy uh, Jaden Sancho. So um, overall, we achieved what we wanted to, and uh, we'll. We'll see how that goes for next season except so, getting beaten by good. Liverpool but yes go and carry on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah apart from that but uh, hopefully we can go into next season stronger we yes. shall see so, and football will be back well the Premier League will be back next month there's still European games it's, it's a very weird schedule basically there's going to be football now right until June next year right pretty much so like yeah so we'll see how that wow. goes done a couple of 
purchases, brought a couple of things for collectibles because I, I don't really talk about the stuff I've collected much, but uh, I have collected a few things over the years, mainly Toy Story stuff. Uh, I've had my um, Buzz Woody and Jesse dolls for, I want to say around 20 years because uh, the, the first film came out in 1995. Wow. And I mean, I've had those toys or those dolls or whatever you want to call them for all of my life. So pretty much as, for as long as I can remember. Uh, it wasn't in 94, obviously, that I brought them because um, the film came out in 95. So at some, po- some point around that around that time with Toy Story 4, you've got a couple of new ones. So uh, there's the new like version of Bo Peep. Like she's got a changed outfit and that. Yeah. And uh, Fork is obviously a new character. So I've gone for those two. Uh, I did buy uh, Bo Peep recently and she's uh, on my shelf next to the others. And I'm going to try and get uh, Forky. Surely next. you could make a Forky. And <laughs> isn't that the point? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe I could do that. Um, but yeah. the funny thing is, is they've put out like, here's a new series of toys. Mm. But Buzz and Woody are like the Simpsons. They've looked the same yeah. forever. First of all, I'm not going to buy a new Buzz and Woody because I've had the ones that I've cherished for all my life. So why would I buy new ones? Yeah. And second of all, it, it's sort of like if you bought Simpsons toys 20 years ago and then bought ones now, they're going to look the same because yes. they, they've worn the same outfit. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've, I've got those and that. Uh, so uh, a new b- version of Bo Peep is uh, on my shelf. I've got um, a little toy for the old version as well for uh, the Toy Story right. 1 and 2 version. So that's pretty cool. And I've also pre-ordered Ellie Last of Us 2 statue, which is the one, there's two different ones actually. There's one where she's holding a guitar and there's one where she's got the bow and arrow and the bow and arrow one is the one that I went for. And right. that's actually for pre-order for the end of August. So um, that should be pretty cool when I get that as well. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I get the kind of amazing mystery box, which is a sort of loot crate type thing. So I have collectibles that come okay. from that. I tend not to actually go out and specifically buy things because if I started doing that, it would cost me a fortune. Because <laughs> if I started collecting stuff, I'd want to collect everything. That's never a good idea. So <laughs> yeah, so it, it's something I don't do that often, but uh, I like to update my collection now. And yeah, again, yeah. So. Awesome. That's what I've been up to. I've, How about you? I've been watching the Umbrella Academy. In actual fact, I over the weekend, I binged through the entire season, second season of it. It's brilliant. It's as good as the first season, I think. The storyline pretty much continues on from the end of season one, which was them all disappearing through a portal. And I think I can say this because it's been in the trailers. We find out they're in the 60s. I think actually that's where it sort of ended was, you know, you saw where they were. So, uh, you know, that's where we find the gang when they return, though they've all been scattered through time. So the opening few episodes, they are all in the 60s, but they've sort of arrived six months a year apart so none of them have any idea where the rest of them are and they've all gone on with their lives in that 60s environment because five is the last one to come through so they don't know how they're going to get back because five is the one that is control of the time travel stuff it's just a wonderful wonderful story it takes things in a slightly different direction they open up the world a bit more and you get to see what they're messing around in time have caused. There is a fantastic opening sequence where I just thought that was amazing. You get to see them in full force, which is just brilliant to watch as well. I thought that was just superb. I have to say, Aidan Gallagher, who is the guy that plays Five, just does a phenomenal job throughout the whole of this. Embodying this little kid who is supposed to be, you know, a 50-something-year-old man 
he does it so amazingly well throughout the entire thing. Just phenomenal acting from him. I mean, the entire cast are great. Robert Sheenan is a joy to watch throughout. David Castaneda, who plays Diego, is superb as well and gets a, a lot more airtime, I think, this time around. Ellen Page as Vanya is always very watchable. Tom Hopper is just brilliant as Letha. And uh, Emmy Raver Lampman is also great as Alison. Uh, she was fantastic in the first season as well. But yeah, Aiden, I just thought was phenomenal through the whole of this season and as he was in the first season. But uh, oh yeah, and Justin H. Min, who plays uh, Ben as well. It's such a great bit of casting throughout. And I think they've just done such a wonderful job of setting up where things could go for another season. I don't think it's been renewed yet for a third season, but I would be incredibly disappointed if they don't renew it. It seemed to have been fairly popular for season one, so hopefully the numbers are there for season two and they do renew it for a third season because it would be, it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger. So it would be a real shame if they don't renew it for a third season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've seen the first two episodes and like like you said, yeah, that opening scene, if you want to show off your characters who've got powers and that, that's certainly one great way to do that. Um, Mm. That was a very good opening scene. They did actually release that, I think on like YouTube or something on Thursday. And I'm like, I don't want to watch the opening scene on its own. I'll I'll just wait to start the actual episode. But I heard the opening scene was very good and then I saw it for myself um, but I've quite enjoyed what I've seen of season 2 I haven't not watched anymore because I didn't like it it's just because I, I decided to go and play uh, Ghost of Tsushima and that but um, yeah I'm going to be finishing the season I'll probably review it it's 10 episodes isn't it so I've got about 8 more to go through so yeah. it's going to take a little bit more time but uh, no, from what I saw so far it's it's very good I'm interested to see what they do with screen time with the characters because that was one interesting thing from uh, last season as well but no all the characters are really likable I do like uh, is it Robert who's Robert the, Sheenan. Um, Sheenan, yeah, from uh, Misfits. He's really, really great in, yeah. uh, in that role as well. He's he's supposed to be obviously the sort of comedic relief, and yeah, I like what they do with with his character as well. I mean, most of the roles that I've seen him do have been really, really good. Now, I don't know if anybody knows about this film, but Bad Samaritan he was in as well, oh, which right. has yeah, got yeah. Uh, David Tennant in it. Yeah, as well, he was quite good in that. Less of a comedic role in that film, but still did a very good job. So yeah, overall, I'm I'm looking forward to watching uh, more of season two. I've still got a uh, season two of Hannah to go through. So. Right, yeah, yeah, I really enjoy the second season in terms of the coverage of the main cast it is fairly evenly split I think I Mm -hmm. I didn't feel I mean five is the kind of connecting thing throughout so it it does lean a bit more on five than some of the others but they are still all fairly well covered I think in it so I think they did that very well it's Mm. paced really well it throws up some interesting things for the next season there are some great set pieces in it as well and it's just funny and well thought through and uh, really enjoyable and there's some wonderful strange things in there and some just really joyous moments so I thoroughly enjoyed that I'm kind of sad I've binged watched the problem is with if it's a show that I really 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 like I will sit and just binge watch it in like yeah one or two sittings yeah it's the advantage of them dropping things weekly you know if they dropped it weekly I'd kind of be able to spread it out a little bit but because it's there I kind of feel like I need to watch all the way through it so it's kind of like with season three good girls i was watching i think like two episodes a day or something i was like no this is a bit too slow and then i watched like quite a few in one night and yeah. then uh, it went right through it. Yeah. i would be happy for more places to release 
things weekly, then I wouldn't have to feel like I need to binge my way through things. I know other people feel the opposite way and they want things as box sets. I'm actually okay with things being released weekly, you know, because mm-hmm. um, yeah. it gives you time to absorb it a bit more, you know. Yeah, I certainly like to see places like Netflix and I mean, HBO already do it and that Disney Plus do it. But I'd certainly like to see Netflix and Amazon, which are the main two, try to do more weekly TV uh, shows. Well, Amazon so. is doing that. Amazon is it seems to have swapped their release schedule over. Yeah, they're like, slowly doing it. The Boys yeah. has been released like that. There was something else which they bought as an import, which they're doing like that. And they're sort of re- doing what Apple do, which is release three episodes and then the rest of them come weekly. And mm-hmm. I quite like... Only basically does that as well. Yeah. So. I quite like that format because it means that you're not miles behind. And it's an advantage to them because it means that they get more out of it. You know, you get more traction online with shows when they do that. And it also means that you have time to absorb it a bit and talk about it. And that makes a bit more of a vent to it. And I think actually, ultimately, you remember the, where the show is a bit better because you've not binged through it in two days. You know, you've had it over two months. So it, it sits with you for longer and it makes it easier when it comes around again to remember what happened, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, as someone who we both podcast on on shows and that, you yeah. can't do a weekly podcast for a Netflix show because if you take eight weeks, to do The Witcher or something by the time you finish that everyone's seen it seen ages it. ago yeah, you yeah. Know? so I'd like to see it for, for that as well yeah absolutely the other show that I watched was Hollywood which is the uh, series from Ryan Murphy it's a mini series so it's a little one off thing it's only seven episodes so it's reasonably short for this sort of thing I really really enjoyed it it's an interesting alt history take of Hollywood set in this kind of golden age of Hollywood which was round about the middle of it so it's sort of the 40s post World War 2 and it's this idea that what if Hollywood had been more progressive at the time so what if they had been prepared to produce pictures which had black writers and people of colour in leads and were more embracing of people of different sexuality and that sort of stuff. So it sort of takes that idea of a film studio taking a chance on a movie which has a female black lead and is written by a guy who is gay and sort of plays with that idea of, of how that all sits together in that particular time period and how that may change the overall progressiveness of America, which you could argue is Ryan Murphy saying, hey, aren't films wonderful? And it is sort of that. I mean, it is sort of a love letter to Hollywood, but it's also him kind of poking it and sort of saying, look, you know, if we actually had done this earlier, we maybe could have changed people's attitudes. So it's sort of interesting to watch through that and see how that kind of comes together. It's got a really good cast that's led by David Corrin Sweat, who plays the lead called Jack, who is a sort of somebody who starts off as a day player at this place called Ace Studios, which is basically Paramount, because if you're going to shoot old Hollywood in Hollywood, you shoot Paramount because it saves you a ton of money on building sets because it's all there already if you're trying to shoot an old Hollywood studio. It's got Darren Chris in it. It's got Dylan McDermott in it. It's got Lauren Harrier in it, who plays Camille, who is the up-and-coming black actress that ends 
up in one of these movies. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really interesting idea. It is only seven episodes. So, oh, it's got Jim Parsons in it as well. That's the other person who plays a Hollywood agent, quite a sleazy Hollywood agent. And <laughs> and it's sort of interesting to see him make this journey through it as well. It's got this solid cast. It's just an intriguing high concept idea of this sort of alt history of Hollywood and what it maybe could have been like had they managed to be a bit more progressive at the time. I thought it was very well structured. It's seven episodes and didn't feel like it needed to be longer or shorter. I think they pitched it fairly right at that. It's a nice little self-contained story. It is a mini-series. I don't think they're going to do any more of it. I'm not sure where you'd go if you were going to do any more of it, but I really enjoyed it and uh, definitely, definitely worth watching. That's on Netflix if you want to go and find that. Other things that I watched, first episode of uh, Motherland Fort Salem, or Fort Salem, as it's been called over here, although its full title is Motherland Fort Salem. Again, it's another alt history drama based around the idea of what if the witches of Salem hadn't all been killed and had instead made a deal with the government at the time and said, look, if you let us live, we will join your cause and help win your wars. And then flashes forward into present day where there are witch units that are still today helping fight battles. So it's a really interesting idea. And I really enjoyed the first episode of it. I haven't watched the rest of it yet. I've just kind of seen the first one so far. But I thought it was a really intriguing idea of this sort of interesting alt history. It's got this nice kind of supernatural element to it. I like what they do with the witches in terms of how they use their magic. It's all done through kind of vocalization and making noise and stuff, which I thought was a really intriguing idea. Not seen a whole lot of it because it's set around this training camp. So it's this group of of witches who have taken the pledge to join and fight. Really intrigued to watch more of that. I would have watched more of it had I not got sucked into the Umbrella Academy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first episode of that. So it's on BBC iPlayer and uh, I'm going to be watching the rest of that, I think. I thought it was a really interesting show. It's a freeform series, I think, in America. And uh, it's got a couple of seasons, I think. So definitely worth watching that as well worth going to have a look at that that's Fort Salem I watched the first episode of Muppets Now because that started airing on Disney Plus which is a really good return to form for the Muppets after the thing that they did on ABC which tried to turn it into a sort of modern family-esque show with them doing kind of things talking to camera and it just didn't work this is far more Muppets doing what they do best of messing around with celebrities it's done as a kind of clip show uploading clips onto the internet and it's things like the first episode has Kermit interviewing RuPaul which is hilarious and kind of getting interrupted all the time there's like a cooking segment with a celebrity chef and the Swedish chef which I really enjoyed and it's just very silly and very funny and it's very much the Muppets doing the sort of things that you expect the Muppets to be doing I really enjoyed it and I'm glad that they've introduced that and it is far more just what you expect the Muppets to be very much them true to form and I know it's not necessarily aimed at my age group it is very much a sort of family friendly all ages thing but I I really really enjoyed it and I love the Muppets so I'm I think that is well worth watching that's Muppets now on Disney plus and Prodigal Son was the other thing as well which just launched over here which is this serial killer drama which 
stars Tom Payne and Michael Sheen. Tom Payne, who you will know as Jesus from The Walking Dead, plays a character called Malcolm Bright, whose father is played by Michael Sheen, and his father is the infamous serial killer known as the surgeon. It's got a kind of Hannibal lectury thing going on there, although Michael Sheen isn't your sort of creepy Hannibal Lecter. He's far more like, if you've ever seen the film Manhunter, the version that Brian Cox plays in that. It's far closer to, to that sort of version of him sort of seeing like a normal everyday guy. But there is this menace that is kind of sat just underneath the surface, which comes out quite well, rather than the out and out, that guy's completely nuts version that you saw in Silence of the Lambs. It's a really nice portrayal of it. He's very likable. I mean, it's Michael Sheen. He's incredible watchable throughout the entire thing. It's got Lou Diamond Phillips in there who plays the Lieutenant of the uh, major crimes unit in NYPD who kind of ropes Tom Payne into helping them out because he is a former FBI profiler who is, you actually see why he's a former FBI profiler in like the opening scenes. He now gets roped into working with the NYPD and there is a serial killer on the loose. They rope him in and it becomes apparent that there may be some sort of connection back to the surgeon with the uh, murders that they're investigating. So I thought it was a really solid opening episode. I love the relationship between Malcolm and his father. There are some great scenes between those two characters, between uh, Tom Payne and Michael Sheen. They bounce off each other so, so well. It works so brilliantly. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm very much looking forward to watching more of that. Yeah, I watched the first episode as well. Really liked it. Good to see Tom Payne again on screen. And it's always good to see uh, Michael Sheen, not with David Tennant this time, but uh, it's, it's good to see him nonetheless. I quite liked what they did with the first episode. It was a good setup for what's to come. And sometimes your pilot episode can be a bit awkward or a bit difficult to kind of do because it's sometimes you can focus a little bit too much on setting up the world as opposed to yeah. en- entertaining your audience. And I feel like they did both. Yeah, I thought Tom Payne's character was good. Michael Sheen's character was was really cool. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the relationship there and sort of like how many times he visits and how that relationship kind of goes. And Tom Payne's character's kind of skill that he's got as well. I thought was really interesting. So yeah, they've they've pulled me in for the first episode and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more. We were joking before we came on to record that half the shows on TV are either by Ryan Murphy and Greg Berlanti <laughs> and this is a Greg Berlanti show. Despite, yeah. It's not Arrowverse, but it is Greg Berlanti. Yeah. Uh, so, and you've just talked about a Ryan Murphy show as well. Yeah, and so. I've just talked about a Ryan Murphy show. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. so Prodigal Son, I'm running on Sky and now TV right now. Definitely want to go and watch, I think. It's on, um, it's on Tuesdays, I think. Yes, so, I think it yeah. runs on Tuesdays. So, yeah. Same day as uh, 911. Yes. We've got a bit about that coming up a little bit later. Uh, the other thing that happened this week was the BAFTAs. And I don't really want to dwell too much on this, but it did throw up some really weird things. Some um, strange winners. Yeah. Yes. So Best Drama Series, which had Gentleman Jack, The Crown, Gil Hajai, and End of the Effing World in there. And End of the Effing World won. Which given... I, I mean, I've not watched the second season of this, which is what it was nominated for because these are for shows that were broadcast between the 1st of January and the 30th of November last year. So it's the second season that it's nominated for. Given the various things I've heard about 
about that second season. I'm really shocked at that. Yeah, I've, I've seen both the, the seasons. I don't really know if the second season's better than the first. They're about the same, but it doesn't need a third season particularly. I think the way it ends is, is perfectly fine. I was quite stunned that it beat The Crown particularly. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen Gentleman Jack, but a lot of people said that was really good as well. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty shocked at that. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. Netflix must have been really happy though, because they had a three out of four chance of winning in that category because it was you know the crown end of the effing world and the girl of jai are all netflix either produced or co-produced shows so they were fairly happy i think that they were going to win something there scripted comedy though again this was a huge shock uh, catastrophe dairy girls fleabag and stathlet's flats and stathlet flats would beat that over fleabag which seems incredible to me. But yeah. Again, I was pretty stunned with that. There's three stages to this. First of all, I was surprised Stafflet's Flats got a second season. Apparently it must be good because it got a second season. I watched parts of the first season. I basically watched all of the scenes where he's in the flat and then I fast forwarded the other bits yeah. and it didn't seem to make a difference. But uh, I heard some people say they hated it. Some people really liked it. I was just kind of in the middle of it. I was like, all right, the scenes with him in the flat were interesting at least. And then it came back for a second season and then I just, I couldn't be bothered to jump back in. And then, yeah, the nomination and then the, the win. I'm just surprised it, yeah, surprised on multiple levels, surprised that it got nominated, surprised it won. And I'm also surprised that it beat Fleabag, which is a very critically acclaimed Phoebe Waller-Bridge well, yeah. TV and, show. But even Catastrophe and Derry Girls, I think, get probably as much, yeah. if not more, traction. Again, Channel 4 must have been very happy because they had three out of four chances of winning <laughs> in that category. Uh, miniseries, yeah. of course, was won by Chernobyl. It doesn't really matter who it was up against because nothing was going to beat Chernobyl as miniseries. There was just no way. At, at least that category makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Best female performance in a comedy role, you had both Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Sian Clifford in there and Sian Clifford won for Fleabag over Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which was interesting, but, you know, fair enough. Maybe they think that Phoebe's got enough awards already this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, they wanted to yeah, share it around a yeah, bit. Yeah, but I'd say, so maybe that's that. Jamie Demetriou won for Stafflet's Flats in Best Male Performance in a Comedy, which I guess makes sense given that it won Best Scripted Comedy, but okay, fine. Leading Actor and Leading Actress would kind of make sense. Uh, Jared Harris won for Leading Actor. It was up against Callum Turner for The Capture, which I thought was a great role. Stephen Graham for The Virtues and Takahiro Hira for Gil Hajai. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies if I'm not. Uh, those were the kind of competition for that. But again, I think you know Jared Harris had to win that. Glenda Jackson won for Lead Actress, which Jodie Comer was in that category, Samantha Morton, Saran Jones. But it's Glenda Jackson. So, you know, I, I've not seen any of the shows in that category. But, well, I've seen Killing Eve, but I think that's probably fair enough. Uh, supporting Actress, Naomi Aki for End of the Effing World up against Helen Bolland Carter in the Again, crowd. it kind of makes sense. If the show wins the Emmy, then yeah. it's usually likely that the actress or the actor will. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, supporting actor Will Sharp for Girl Hajai on BBC Two Netflix won that. Beat Stellan Skarsgård for Chernobyl, which I think is a bit of a shame because mm. and, and Josh yeah. O'Connor for The Crown, who I thought was great. I think he was Prince Charles in The Crown and he was fabulous in that as well. But I can't judge that because I've not seen that show, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, some interesting things surprising ones threw yeah, up for that anyway uh, they've also announced the Emmys but we're not going to go through that because they've announced the list for the Emmys and we'll be here all day if we go through that so we'll leave that for me and time. me and Robert did talk about that 
last week on uh, we did a trailer talk for some of the uh, Comic Con trailers, and then we right. combined that with uh, some Emmy talk. Yes, so, yeah, some some snubs and some wins. Yes, there that. are some interesting snubs in the Emmys, but uh, yeah, you can go and find the Emmy list online to see what has actually been nominated. We'll probably talk about that when the Emmys actually happen. Yeah. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> 
In terms of pickups and advanced air dates, there are quite a lot of these this week. Yeah. Ratchet, which is the one flew over the cuckoo's nest from Ryan Murphy, uh, <laughs> that is going to be premiering on Friday, the 18th of September on Netflix UK and worldwide, they have announced. Uh, so that could be an interesting one to look out for. It's a prequel based around the nurse from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and sort of how she turned into the character she did. That's the premise of it. It's Sarah Paulson in the lead role as well. So one of his many big cast of American horror story and American crime story players. That looks like it could be quite good if you're into that sort of thing. It's uh, Ratched, that's called and that's uh, 18th of September, Friday the 18th of September on Netflix. That is arriving. They released a trailer for Young Wallander and doesn't have a premiere date yet, but they have said it is coming soon. So presumably before the end of the year, although coming soon is a rather more flexible term used by broadcasters. Mm, yeah. So uh, that's coming to Netflix and that's a series based around the Wallander novels, but it's a young version of Wallander. They have announced and released a trailer for Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which is coming for season one on the 18th of September as well. This is an animated series. It's based around a kids camp on the other side of the Jurassic World Park from the main Jurassic Park, which sounds like a ridiculous premise until you remember what the people that run Jurassic World did previously. It seems very much in character, I would say, for the people that run that park to have like a children's camp where you can go and like run around with dinosaurs. So uh, it apparently the timeline lines up with the events of the first Jurassic World movie. So as the park's kind of falling apart on one side, it's sort of how it affects this camp on the other side. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, sounds uh, like it might, might be an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. it could be, could be quite good fun, that. And uh, the animation looks really good as well. It's a 3D animated thing, so uh, one to look out for, but that's the 18th of September that lands. A couple of Sky Witness acquisitions, 911 spin-off, 911 Lone Star, they've acquired that, and FBI Most Wanted, which is the spin-off from the main FBI show. Both of those are coming. We haven't got exact dates for either of those yet, although the chances are they will start airing when the current seasons of those shows, because FBI and 911 are both currently running. So my guess is they will run these straight afterwards, unless there's needing for some crossover, which I don't think there are on these first seasons. So my guess is one will run straight into the other. They've also announced Blindspot. If you're wondering where that had got to, September, that's coming on Sky Witness, and that's the final season of that. They've announced Star Trek Prodigy, which is a Star Trek series aimed at a much younger audience. It's an animated show. So this is different to Star Trek Lower Decks, which is an animated show, which is aimed at a more sort of adult Rick and Morty style audience or a, a sort of broader everybody audience. This is very much aimed at a younger audience. It's airing on Nickelodeon in the US. It's going to be airing on Nickelodeon in the UK in 2021. It follows a bunch of lawless teens who take over control of a derelict starship and take it for a joyride. So that's the sort of premise for that. And that's called Star Trek Prodigy. It sounds a little bit like if you took the 100, the teenagers took over the ship and then never landed on yeah. the earth a little bit. Yeah. It, it, the same kind of, you know, yeah, um, yeah. teenage fugitive kind of thing yeah. going on. So it sounds a little bit like that. Yeah. So. And it's an animated series as well, that as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that someone picks up Lower Decks soon. Yeah. No one has nobody's it. It in like four days, I think. Yeah. Nobody's announced picking up Lower Decks yet. Star Trek Discovery, they have announced the air date in America. It is coming on the 15th of October. We know that Netflix has the third season. 
but they haven't actually announced when they're going to air it yet. And I have asked, and they've been very quiet, and I have not seen anything online yet about them announcing whether it's coming next day, which is a little weird and slightly worrying. So I hope they've not ended up having to put it on as a box set. But we don't know at the moment. We're assuming right now it comes out in the 15th on CBS All Access. We're assuming it's going to land on the 16th. But Netflix themselves haven't actually confirmed that yet. So mm-hmm. we don't actually know. Hopefully, hopefully, they do. hopefully yeah. that is the case, but we don't know that for a fact yet. I'm looking forward to covering that show again. Yes. So let's hope it's going to be weekly. I'll still probably do it if it's a if it's a box set. I'll just do it as a box set review instead. Mm. But if it is weekly, by the way, we'll have an episode on Christmas Day. So. Yes. Yeah. Because it's because <laughs> it started quite late. They are going to run it straight through with no break in the middle. They have yeah. said, and so. it's 13 episodes. So yeah. So uh, so yes, it will be airing on Christmas Day apparently as well, which is awesome. I mean, you know, what else are you going to do on Christmas? It's for sitting in front of the TV. <laughs> yeah. On to bigger news stories. Kevin Smith, the legendary director, screenwriter, actor, podcaster, and everything else in between, uh, he announced that he is developing a Green Hornet animated series, which I'm quite interested in. This could be quite good fun. It's a new animated series which will target a family audience and feature the classic Green Hornet elements that fans know and love, including his ultra-high-tech car, Black Beauty. But it's set in contemporary times, and the series is slightly updated in that it's going to reimagine Green Hornet and Kato, his sidekick, as the grown son of the original Green Hornet and the daughter of the original Kato. So Kato will be a female character. I think that's kind of an interesting idea for this. I don't know how much you know of Green Hornet because it's not really a character that's been around that much. There was a movie which I think Seth Rogen made, which didn't yeah, go down particularly yeah, a few, well. a few years ago. Yeah. I remember it kind of around in that. I never did see the film. I don't know too much about the character, but uh, as soon as I kind of saw this and I was like, yeah, Kevin Smith, yeah, big comic book guy. And as soon as I saw like, okay, I'm not that familiar with, you know, Green Hornet and that, and he could introduce, you know, a kind of modern day version. And I was kind of like, yeah, I trust him to do this. Yeah. He's had some connection to Green Hornet before. He was actually involved in a movie version back in the early 2000s, although it never actually made it to screen. They did Mm -hmm. eventually turn the script for that into a comic book version as well, which has got some great art by people like Alex Ross and J. Scott Campbell and those sort of people in there. So they did use that script for a comic book version. So he has written Green Hornet before. He also did, there was some sort of Batman Green Hornet crossover books, which is related to the 60s TV series. It was sort of that version because they they did some crossovers on the TV series as well. So he's had some involvement. He's a character that he knows reasonably well. He's had some involvement with it before. I I rather like this. It sounds like it could be a really interesting idea and uh, I very much trust Kevin Smith to do something like this as an animated series. It's the first time I think they've done it as an animated series as well, Mm. which I'm surprised surprised yeah. by because Green Hornet's been around since like the 1930s and they've never done an animated <laughs> version of it before. There was a TV yeah. series which had uh, Bruce Lee as Kato in it in 66. So it's been around for a while as the character. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm quite interested in that. That could be quite good. Don't know where it's been developed for. It's been developed by production company Wild Brain, but don't know where it might land yet. Do you think it'll maybe be on uh, HBO Max or something? Uh, it kind of seems yeah, like it would could, fit that. Could be a HBO maybe. Max thing. Well, it's could probably be. not going to be on DC Universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could be a HBO Max thing. It could be something that ends up on Netflix or Amazon or something like that. So we'll have to wait Maybe. and see. Yeah, that's a good opportunity to uh, you know bring that character into the modern day spotlight. Yeah. 
Yes. So. Yeah. I think that could be an interesting version. Disney Plus have announced a Beauty and the Beast spin-off, which I think they'd announced a while back, but they have given it a name now. It's called This Little Town, which is a reference to one of the lyrics in one of the songs of Beauty and the Beast. It's a live action prequel series. It's going to star Luke Evans and Josh Gad, who played Gosson and LeFou in the 2017 live action movie. They're reprising their roles for this. It's a six episode series. It's going to be run by Eddie Kithis and Adam Horowitz, who are the people that were behind Once Upon a Time. So quite appropriate people, I think, to do this. It will presumably have songs in it. In fact, we know it'll have songs in it because uh, Alan Menken, who was the, he's a sort of veteran composer for Disney, revealed the title in the interview along with the fact that he's actually working on it as well. So uh, the music, I'm sure, will be great. I think I saw the film on a plane, so I only have a vague recollection of it, but uh, it was it was perfectly fine, as what I remember. You know, I obviously loved the uh, animation, the Beauty and the Beast animation. I thought it was brilliant. And I think in the live action version, Luke Evans and Josh Gad were so perfectly cast in this role. I think they worked brilliantly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quite interesting to do this sort of prequely type thing. I think one year at a um, Christmas family dinner or something, we had it on the, in the background, maybe. I remember mm-hmm. one year we did that with Mary Poppins film. It was it was on Sky Cinema or something. And we just we just kind of put it on in the background. It could be interesting. You know, Disney's uh, great at doing this sort of stuff. And uh, it makes sense that they would bring, you know, the two people that are in the live action film into this new little series. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, I think having the Once Upon a Time creators behind it, I think they're a solid duo yeah. to be handling something like this is because they know those sort of Disney fairy tale stuff so well. Uh, speaking of Once Upon a Time, they've also announced that uh, there's a new bit of casting for Netflix series Sweet Tooth, which we spoke about a while ago. This is based on the DC Vertigo comic book. Dana Ramirez, who was Cinderella in the season seven reboot of Once Upon a Time, she has taken on one of the roles in Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth, if you don't remember, is a family-friendly storybook adventure of a character called Gus, who is part deer, part boy, who leaves his home in the forest to find the outside world ravaged by a cataclysmic event. He joins a ragtag family of humans and animal children hybrids like himself in search of answers about the new world and the mystery behind these hybrid origins. They have got a, a cast announced for it already, which includes Christian Converi, who is from uh, things like Beautiful Boy and Rising, Tiger Rising, Nonzo Alonzi, who was in the wonderfully silly Zoo and Game of Thrones, Adil Akhtar, who was in the Les Miserables and the Big Sick, Will Fort from The Last Man on Earth, James Brolin from Life in Pieces, who voices the narrator. Ramirez is believed to be playing Amy, who is a pioneer in the middle of this dystopian America, a lone scavenger in an abandoned city, rebuilding a sustainable habitat and giving orphan hybrids a home. So that's who she's apparently going to be playing. Alonzi is apparently playing Tommy Jeppard, who is a former professional athlete who becomes Gush's protector. Atar is playing Dr. Singh, a scientist seeking a cure for his wife, to which Gus may be the key. And Will Fort is playing Gus's father. Christian Converi is playing Gus in it as well. So yeah, 
looks kind of interesting, that. It's a, a sort of intriguing, magical world-type thing, I think. I don't know the comic book particularly, but I like the fact that Netflix are picking up these kind of weird, interesting comic books to make shows out of. Yeah, so again, with The Green Hornet and with this, with Sweet Tooth, they're two things I don't really know that well. Uh, obviously, you know, DC and um, Vertigo Comics have made some some good books and stuff like that and some good properties. So, yeah, like you said, it's a good way to just pick up these little these little characters or these little uh, and turn them into yeah. shows that uh, people just don't know as well and then it gives them hopefully a bigger audience so we'll see yeah might have to go and pick up a copy of the book and just see what the book's like but uh, yeah I'm really intrigued by that I, I think it sounds like it could be quite interesting as a kind of seems to have a yeah ra- rather than something like the Umbrella Academy which is very much aimed at an older audience I like the fact that they've picked up something which has a much broader family appeal but is a comic book adaptation I think that's kind of interesting yeah so that's all the news we've got for this week now we move on to highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have uh, Harlots Season 1, which is a show that's been around on various channels for a long time, but it's coming to BBC Two from Season 1. That's on the 5th of August at 9pm, that lands. So, uh, that will be one to watch out for. It stars Samantha Morton. It's a drama about rival brothel owners in the 18th century, but uh, supposed to be quite good, apparently. I've, I've not seen it, but I've told it's quite good. Wentworth Season 8, that comes to you five-star on the 5th of August at 10pm as well. That's the Prisoner Subblock H remake, which has some interesting new additions to the cast, I'm told, this season, which some huh. people I'll of the original from. show might recognise. So, mm. uh, yeah, that, that looks like it, it, it you, could be... Do you watch I, I don't. I haven't. Okay. It's, and it's eight seasons in now, so I'm not going to catch up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it, interesting that what they seem to be doing this season I know it's incredibly popular it's been multi-award winning as well so uh, season 8 5th of August 10pm on 5 star for that Rami season two, this is a comedy drama which follows the uh, first generation Egyptian American who is on his spiritual journey in the political divided New Jersey neighborhood. That's coming to start play on the 6th of August for its second season. That's Rami. Then The Rain, the third and final season of that lands on the 6th of August on Netflix. You watched this, didn't you? This is Yeah, I only knew a few weeks ago it had been renewed for a third season. It makes sense for a third and final season. I don't think there's too much more you could do with that, mm. but uh, uh, they've they've done quite a lot with it so I'm interested to see how it all finishes yes so, so uh, 6th of August for that then New Legends of Monkey season 2 of that arrives on the 7th of August this is one I meant to watch because I remember the original Monkey TV show it's a new adaptation of the Chinese novel Journey to the West it's not a remake of the Monkey TV series if you're old enough to remember the original one it is a new version of the original novel which both shows were based on and there have been lots and lots and lots of versions of Journey to the West made in China before and Japan. I think there's some anime versions of it as well. So it isn't a remake of the original Monkey TV show. It is just based on the same material. But uh, I did want to go and watch this because it looked quite interesting. And uh, But that's New Legends of Monkey and that's arriving on Netflix on the 7th of August for its second season. And that's everything we have for this week. Where can people find you if they want to find more stuff about you? You can find me on entertainmenttalk.org. Like I said, Good Girl Season 3 review. If you want to hear me praise something, I already did praise it. But if you want to hear that, Midsummer Review. Uh, there's been a lot of gaming news lately. So me and Robert have been doing some uh, fairly yeah. long podcasts for those. Jim Carrey, Classic Review Season is still going. So you can find all of that and other stuff on there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, come and say hi. That's perfectly fine as well. UK on Twitter. 
Twitter as well for that. Yep. So go and check out Matt there. You can also go and uh, watch Bex, who is involved in the podcast as well, over at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. She's streaming daily and on various evenings. Want to give a huge shout out to her because she has been raising money for the Samaritans and the guys over on the Twitch channel that go and watch her regularly and people that stop by have been donating in droves. She started off with a target of £500 at the beginning of last month and ended up raising over 4000 So it's a phenomenal, phenomenal job. They're raising money for the Samaritans. I'm not sure whether that's it or whether she's, she's carrying on now, but did an incredible, incredible job for that. So huge congratulations to her for that and a great cause as well. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Bex, for doing that. Samaritans is a good cause and one I've used a couple of times yeah. here and there in, in different situations, but um, that's really, really, really good of Bex to do. So uh, congratulations for that as well. Go and check her out. That's uh, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's Bites with a Y, B-Y-T-E-S. So uh, <laughs> go and check that out over there. For us, of course, you can go to the website website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything make sure if you're going out wear a mask stay socially distant from people everybody stay safe we shall see you next week bye bye goodbye Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 